1: Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel
0: Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Guru Show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center and beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place. And you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha.
2: A track yeah well the son of a just slammed into me no he didn't slam you. he didn't bump you he didn't nudge you he rubbed you and rubbing son is racing. Hey. Oh, there goes a the fender there goes a the quarter panel under a car. I want you to go back out on that track and hit the pace car. Hit the pace car? Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. Go on, go, go, go! How about that? The sound we don't have to fix. I don't want you to spoil, it, hey! oh, this is gonna hurt. Hey! Did you see that guy? I don't think so. We're busy now. You're what? We are. Eating ice cream. Ice cream? Now, you're welcome to come on and get one, but I don't believe NASCAR would think much of you trying to eat an ice cream cone out there. You have enough trouble riding around the track as it is. I come into the pits, up in first place! I go out, I'm in third with two laps to go! All right, first of all, don't get excited. All right, you're in third place. That's a pretty respectable position. Now, what you do is this. When they slow down at it for turn four, you just keep your foot on the gas and drive right by them on the outside. Harry, you told me nobody goes to the outside on turn four. Well, now I'm telling you different. If you go to the outside, you can hold he's gonna end up in the wall. All right, Colt, the pace car's are about ready to duck on off. We don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this. Well, tell me how. It's because we got a real good set of matched tires on them. What? What? Those tires are matched perfect and staggered spectrum. You're gonna get him killed. The pace car's are about ready to duck on off. If you go to the outside, you can hold it. All right, Harry, when it comes to the car, take your word. The white flag is out, one lap to go. the ball to pass me on the outside and they're heading into treacherous turn
0: four This is Mark Martin.
2: You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
1: Hey, welcome listeners. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run new computers at Google, 10talk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to visit our website, gulfstreammotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And be sure and visit Nostalgic Radio Cars, the archives page. Good evening, Bobby. How are you?
3: I'm doing pretty good. Yes, definitely check out gulfstreammotorsports.com because soon you'll be able to list your vehicle with us. That's with right. Them, us. <laughs>
1: yeah. Go ahead and do the uh, social media on us, please.
3: Ah, yes. Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, Instagram, YouTube, at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, at NRC on Air, and Instagram being at Gulfstream Motorsports.
1: That's right. Now, now
3: it's time for the
1: FloridaCarshows.com segment. Right, Bob? Did I do That's that right? That's right. The
3: FloridaCarshows, the FLACarshows.com show report. Show report. Yeah, I guess you could call
1: it that. Okay, so basically, yeah, yeah, if you've been tuning in lately, uh, we have teamed up with FloridaCarShows.com and Tara up there. She was on our show. Was it last week? Was the Fourth mm-hmm. uh, of July? She was on. A, she was a special guest a with us.
3: Show on the Fourth of July. That's right. We did with fireworks above the station. Yeah, and it wasn't the tower. And it no, yes, I, I should have a tower. T- <laughs> yes. Yeah. sorry, Lola. So, yeah.
1: So at any rate, so uh, if you want to find out where all the car shows are in the state of Florida, as well as some news and some other interesting automotive stuff, visit floridacarshows.com. You can find out where all that stuff is. And don't forget, if you need an automotive appraisal, diminished value, or pre-purchase inspection, you contact us at golfstreammotorsports.com. At any rate, so what do we got going on this weekend? Well, the big event this particular weekend, there's two big ones. One, which is out in Oregon, is the Porsche Club of America, the big annual PCA parade. They call that the Porsche Club of America parade. And uh, the second one is in the Music City, Nashville. Is Nam? That's the National Association of Music 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 Merchants. Did I say that right now, Bobby? Yes. So uh, that's this weekend. Let's see. The Dupont Registry has their cars and coffee this weekend. And uh, last weekend was the uh, what was last weekend? Last weekend was the second one. That was the actually the uh, Clearwater. Audi store with uh, Crown Motorsports. That was their Cars & Coffee. Anyway, so yeah, so you go to the Cars & Coffee this weekend to DuPont Registry. Now that starts at supposedly 7 to 9. But if you want to get a parking spot, you're going to have to be there at 6. And then already at 6.45, 7, 7.15, they're rolling out of there because they're on the way over to the Dimit Auto Group, the Aston Martin dealer and McLaren dealer and Cadillac dealer off of uh, Gandy because there's another Cars & Coffee. In fact, they have... This is why this is going to be my next favorite cars and coffee. They have crispy cream donuts. Now some people show up with some, you know, what's that other one? Dumpin' donuts or Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, right. And and maybe some brand X donuts, but Dim and Auto Group has real oh. live bonafide fide crispy cream fresh because 4th Street and Gandy Boulevard intersect, and only about three or four blocks down the road, on the right, on 4th Street, is the tasty Krispy Kreme store. Right, Bobby?
3: Yes, and still still better than Duncan. Crown drives all the way down to Elmerton Road to and P- goes to Frida's Cafe and gets homemade everything. <laughs> homemade <laughs> every, every, the- pastries, every pastry you can imagine that tastes like it just came out of an oven or a case or a freezer or wherever pastries are, are usually made. Uh, it tastes like it just came out of there.
1: Yeah, they're real Now That's a class act. They do a very, very good job. So, and then of course the big, 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 big event, which takes place next month is Monterey collector car week where you and me and anybody else that's out there during that uh, particular week can probably have the time of your life. Now, I always talk about four major events a year. I talk about Amelia Island. I talk about Scottsdale. Let's go chronological here. Scottsdale in January, Amelia Island in March, Monterey in August, and SEMA in November. Those are the four major ones. That's where anybody and everybody and all the who's who in the world, those are the events that they go to.
0: Yeah, Robert, thanks for having me on, man. I tell you, you guys have a great show. You're very famous down there in that Clearwater area. Man, A lot of people that uh, listen to the show. That's cool.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. You're famous in
3: this area. no' no not You don't need to be famous out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we're working
1: on that, too. That's 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 coming. But anyway, so Monterey, and I got to maybe, you know, I, 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 it's it's really hard to explain, but there is so much going on. It doesn't matter whether you have a sports car, a muscle car, a micro car. They actually have a micro car show in downtown Monterey on Wednesday afternoon. It actually starts in the morning. And he goes to about 3, 4 in the afternoon. Microcars. Now, we're talking little BMW Isettas. We're talking little uh, Go-Go-Mobiles. We're talking little, uh, you know, Volkswagens are acceptable because those are technically considered microcars. The little Subaru 360s, the little Honda 600s, the Z600s. Just interesting things like that. Just funny little cars. Mini Coopers, obviously. Little Fiat 850s. And most of them sound like that, don't they, Bobby? <laughs> that's
3: that's what I thought of as you're going down the list, I'm thinking there's, there's no there's no drag car sound effects that's going to go anywhere clear. You have to that's that's the that's, only sound that, that that represents what you're going to hear at a microcar show. Well, now, I'll tell you what was interesting. There was two
1: cars that actually caught me by surprise last year in Monterey at the Microcar Show. And one was a Ferrari 308. And I can't remember, but if you go in our, well, I have to look and dig it up, but I think I have a picture of it somewhere. But the license plate had something that kind of gave me a clue, like maybe uh, 308 electric or something like that. But literally, it had an electric motor in the back end of that, uh, or in the mid, midship, in that uh, Ferrari 308. Now, that was kind of interesting, and it was very, very... I should say professionally done, because there was not a screw, not a washer, not a wire out of place. It was very, very, very tidy, very, very organized, and looked like it was very well thought out, and all the components and everything fit just right. So it was some, some pretty decent fabrication. By contrast, on the other side of the road, as I was walking back that way, I noticed an MGB GT. Now, you hear us talking about our little Miss Moneypenny, which is our 74 MGB GT. And uh, so I have a thing for MGB GTs. I think they're pretty cool, it's particularly chrome bumper cars. And uh, so while I was looking at this one, I thought, hmm. And then I looked inside it, and I noticed that the dash was changed. Now, in 69, 70, 71, they had what they called the pillow dash. It doesn't have a glove box, okay? And the 68 and back cars, I believe, 67, 68, 68 might have changed. But somewhere around there, they had a steel dash prior to that. And 73, 74, possibly 72, they came out with a dash with a glove box. Well, I knew the dash, the car was a later car, but it had the wrong dash in it. And the console was changed a little bit too. No, no big deal, that's, that's not uncommon. And uh, so I started looking at it, and I noticed on the back it had all these little decals on it. And some of the decals kind of referenced electric cars. Believe it or not, someone took a 1973, late 73 MGB GT, and they put an electric motor in it. So that was pretty cool. So uh, I was an older guy, he was an engineer. Uh, aerospace engineer out of the, the San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley area. And uh, he had done that, and uh, pretty interesting piece. So anyway, back to Monterey. You'll find all kinds of amazing stuff going on there, not to mention the auctions, Mecham, Gooding, Bonham, Russo, and all those guys. Let's see which other one did I forget one. Gooding, Bonham, Mecham, and there's a new one, I think, uh, Auctions America is coming out there this year. Porsche, Works Reunion, Legends of the Audubon, the Carmel Classics, a great little concourse. And, in fact, the Bishop actually comes out and blesses the collector cars. He does that at 1 o'clock. No, at 12 o'clock, I believe. So, you know, ne- never mind that. It's just the scenery, the roads, the racetrack, Laguna Seca, the the vintage races. It's called the Rolex Reunion. I mean, just amazing. And then all the outlining areas. You know, run up to Canabas up there, Santa Cruz. You know, you actually have time to buzz up to San Francisco. And uh, so there's a lot of which is two hours away, by the way. Or you can go down to St. Louis Obispo, which is two hours south. And, uh, so, you know, and the scenery, you know, if you drive south across on, 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 uh, on PCH Highway, Pacific Coast Highway, go across the Bixby Bridge. It's just some amazing scenery. If you, and, and the weather is perfect. In the morning, the fog rolls in. I talk about this every year. It's cool. It's really neat. And then in the afternoon, you know, it gets, it warms up. And then, of course, Sunday's the big day. Sunday is the, uh, the, uh, Pebble Beach Concourse. But you have the quail, what an amazing event that is just in itself concourse italiano which is nothing but italian cars go check out monterey car week if there's no other event that you go to during the year definitely go to monterey definitely go to amelia island definitely go to scottsdale and definitely if you're in the business because it's b2b Go to see me. Bobby, you got a commercial? Oh, no, no, I know what you got. You got a song queued up for it. Yeah, I had to How about uh, Little Beatles? Change it
3: for technical reasons, but uh, yeah, we have Beatles. We haven't played any Beatles in a while, have we? No, we haven't. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Winning Cars, is Little
1: Beatles. Hey, we're back and you tune into Nostalgic American in Cars. Hey, I was almost asleep at the wheel there, you
3: know? It <laughs> was anyway, really yeah. fast
1: to be Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're talking about the Monterey and all the other car shows and the local uh, stuff that's going on here, the Cars and Coffee, which really are a lot of fun. I mean, uh, the, you know, it's kind of a, a thing where, you know, you just kind of hang out and you talk and stuff like that and, uh, you know, a little bit of automotive camaraderie. And uh, so uh, definitely check out some of the Cars and Coffee. Now, um Talk about shoes for a second, and I want to give a big shout out to my friend over there at Largo Shoe Repair. So, uh, I'm kind of an old schooler and I definitely wear loafers a lot, just kind of a, you know, or we call them slip ons. And um, shoes today just don't last, a lot of things today just don't last like they used to. So, you know, rather than go out and spend 80, 90, 100 bucks, you can get your shoes fixed for 20, 25 bucks and get another six months worth of uh, mileage out of them. So, if you need some shoes fixed like I do go see my buddies over there at Largo Shoe Repair the number is 727-581-2166 that's 727-581-2166 now and of course we were talking about Florida car shows that's where we want to go for all the car shows now and what's
3: we, on that what's on that little blue pen That's uh did that you raised Oh yeah to?
1: our our good friends over there if you need a sign don't forget to call Bay City Signs and Printing their number is 813-886-4440 and then that's eight one three eight eight six four 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 zero. That's Bay City Signs then and
3: Printing. Next on the list comes uh, this great little place where we like to, you know, get some the best barbecue in
1: town. Yeah, they should be moving into the new building here pretty soon, so that won't be too long. That's uh,
3: Smoking Rib Shack.
1: Smoking Rib Shack. Yeah, that's uh, currently
3: at what are they? Five hundred. Yeah, five hundred one. Five hundred one. Yep. No, no I always See, I always confuse. But well, you your know what? You don't even number? know. You don't even know what the. You don't even need to know what the. No, all to, you all have to do is just stick
1: your nose out the window and you'll find it. I, 90, I mean, that's That's a 9090,
3: Yep. That's yeah, the, the food is
1: just excellent. Yeah, five oh one ninety nine is the phone number. So give them a call over there. at Rib Shack Barbecue. Say hi to
3: Corey and everybody. They do Uber now, so you could sit there, listen to the show, and Uber pick up your, your phone and Uber your Uber your BBQ your beer barbecue. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs>
1: Anyway, all right, so now here's what I did. The other day I was wandering around, and I uh, was over at a friend of mine's shop. Now, you know, we always talk about really cool cars here, and uh, we threw this on Twitter this morning, and I'm going to throw it on uh, Facebook a little bit later and possibly even on our website. But, you know, I love barn finds, and I love survivor cars, and I'm a big proponent of that. I'm not really a big fan of restorations and stuff. And um, and I got some topics that we'll cover here down the road. In fact, I'm going to even write some articles about it. But I wandered into my friend's shop yesterday, and I saw a car I hadn't seen in a long time. I saw a car I hadn't seen, period. And because uh, it's cool when somebody gets something different. And that's the way it used to be at our shop. You know, we'd have something new coming in. and People would go, oh, wow, 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 that's really cool. I got to check it out, you know, because people want to see something different. They don't want to see the same old word of the mill crap all the time. So anyway, so here's this 1955 Studebaker President, two-door coupe, okay? Now, that was a top-of-the-line car. This car was ivory with coral trim, two-tone. Beautiful, beautiful, classic example of a 50s car. And the Studebaker was a performance car back in the day. It had a 289 motor in it, you know, their motor. That's a, an uh, American Motors engine or a Studebaker engine. And it's also the same motor they used in the uh, Avantis and later was supercharged. But they had supercharged motors back then because supercharging was the thing back in the day. Belt-driven, I might add. And uh, so here this thing had is re- under-the-hood, really cool set of aluminum fin valve covers, really neat. And an aluminum fin oil filter housing. Had some funky-looking Offenhauser air cleaner with uh, a, a quasi-looking ram air setup on it. Really, really, really neat piece. The car was amazingly solid. The interior was almost incredibly perfect, original. The dash, the glass, the trim, the stainless, the bright work, everything looked like it came off the showroom floor. The only thing is the outside part of the car was dingy. Beautiful, beautiful car. And uh, so, you know, how do you put a value on that car? Well, I put a value on a car like that, a premium, compared to a car that's restored, because it's original. You looked underneath, the rockers, the sills, everything, solid. The trunk, solid. Even had the undercoating in there. Matter of fact, the trunk was full of parts. That was kind of like a bonus because Mark didn't know the uh, trunk opened up, and I was kind of funky, fiddling with the, uh, with the with the with uh, the little knob there, and it boom, it popped open, and there was a, a, a early style FOMO co distributor in there, um, just all kinds of little quirky stuff. I mean, we didn't look through all the boxes and stuff like that because we didn't have a ton of time, but um, we were. Uh, Checking that car out. So, 1955 Studebaker President, all original survivor car, and yes, it will be for sale. And as soon as I establish a value on it, I will post it on my website. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Green Cars. Is
3: this my, my Sharona? Sharona.
1: Wow. Now there, that goes right back to 1979. Hey, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening.
2: Tony Curtis, vivacious Piper Laurie, and Daredevil Don Taylor in Johnny Dark, reckless and thrilling in Color by Technicolor. I'm just asking for a reason, that's all. Is there something wrong with the car? Let's say you didn't have the age or experience for the job. You can tell Scotty I quit. This is the story of a boy, Johnny Dark, who challenged the future, the friend he fought, the girl they both loved, the grueling, nerve-wracking competition they faced in the field of sport car building and racing, A Canada to Mexico three-day road race through forests, over mountains and deserts, bringing you thrill upon thrill as death rides with every driver. And suppose you do lose the race. Who cares?
0: Ken Squire, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
1: Okay, we're back. And uh, yes, you are tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It is time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is an alumni guest. He's a friend of mine, and he is the foremost motorsports commentator, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bob Barsha. Bob, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Good to be back with you again.
1: So uh, you've had a kind of a busy schedule here. It's been almost, yeah, it's been about a year since I've uh, talked to you. So uh, yeah, fill us in. You've got, a, you've got a huge, huge fan club. You've been pretty active on Twitter, too, I might add.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we're all social media mavens now, aren't we? Yeah, people have been very kind. Um, Since I left Fox Sports as an employee last summer yeah, and and returning to the role of a freelancer, I've done a a pretty wide variety of stuff, including some boat racing in India, Formula E over in Europe. I had a great time over there this summer with more coming this weekend when we go to New York for the first time. Uh, The Barrett-Jackson collector car auctions have been a lot of fun. I'm going to be back in the Formula One chair in September on NBC. So there's been uh, a lot going on, yeah, and I'm having a great time.
1: Wow. Back in the Formula One chair. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll step in for Lee Diffie, who's got a conflict with the IndyCar finale out in Sonoma. Okay. So I'll step in to do the Singapore weekend with my old colleagues, uh, David Hahn, Steve Matchett, and Will Buxton.
1: Okay. How about CODA?
0: No, afraid not. I've got a conflict with CODA, um, so I won't be out there. Oh, scheduling? Got, uh, okay. got Formula E going on. Well, i got World Endurance, too, so yeah, there's... Just not enough weekends in the year.
1: Not enough weekends here. Okay, so tell us a little bit about uh, Formula E. I did not get a chance. Of course, you were at Le Mans. you covered Lamar this year, right?
0: Yep, did Le Mans? Mm-hmm. another now, terrific race. Unless what? you're driving a Toyota.
1: Unless you well, no, no. now, you know, like, what's your take on? See, last year, I almost, even though I'm a Porsche guy, I almost wanted to say that Porsche won by default because Toyota just kind <laughs> of fizzled at the last. But and, and and that's racing. But so, what? What's your take on sure. that? and then this year. This year they won legitimately. They did.
0: Um, you know, it's I just cannot fathom the misfortune that Toyota has had at Le Mans. The one race that they want to win more than any other, only one Japanese brand, Mazda, has ever done it. Uh, and they have put so many resources into it. They've got a great international lineup of engineers and drivers and team members and so on. And so, to lose on the last lap last year and then this year to see all three of their cars fall out of the race with bizarre, you know, the classic $6 park braking kind of thing um, was just heartbreaking once again. But Porsche had their share of problems, too. All of the LMP1 hybrids um, were so pushed to the edge of their performance envelopes that, uh, that the Porsches and the Toyotas both suffered problems. I mean, I, I'd. Some fan out there reminded me that uh, when the number two Porsche that eventually won the race had its problems in the middle of the night, um, we had about 12 hours to go on the race when I said, well, the way this is going, they still have a chance of winning. And lo and behold, that's what they did. So it made for a fascinating race, but I'm sure it was heartbreaking for a lot of the participants. And the uh, LMP2 class and the GT classes and so on Just just made it another great race, which is why it's my favorite motorsports event of the world.
1: Now, you were actually there at Le Mans, correct, this year?
0: No, we were in a studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh! Uh, we had 10 announcers there, and we had uh, we had the pit reporters, Andrew Marriott and Justin Bell. Mm-hmm. We were on site in France, but okay. uh, we haven't been able to take the entire crew over there for several years now.
1: Okay. Now, you're... Uh... Aston Martin won in their class, and Mm -hmm. that was a close race, but I believe it all took place right within the last lap or two, and that was because, what, Chevrolet had a problem?
0: Yep. Uh, Jordan Taylor was driving one of the Corvette Racing Factory vets, and uh, he wound up with a puncture while he was being tracked closely by, uh, by an Aston Martin. Which I think this year got the benefit of a favorable balance of performance equation from the organizers at the ACO, the Automobile Club of the West, who are the organizers of the 24 hours and mm-hmm. whose rule book is the basis of the season long World Endurance Championship. Last year, Aston Martin was nowhere in that race when Ford won. This year, you know, the tables were turned a little bit and, uh, and Aston was able to surge to the front. I think Corvette might have still pulled it out for the ninth time in 18 attempts, um, but Jordan had some bad luck there with a the puncture and gave up the lead. Wound up on the podium in third, but they, they missed out on another victory.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this. Now you're talking about the rules, okay? So basically, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the political side that you know the average guy doesn't really know, but but it is tactical, and you got to kind of wonder, do the powers-to-be... Do they understand, Are there, is the goal, so everybody understands, is to make the racing, to some extent, level the playing field and equal. Is that a fair statement?
0: Right, right, absolutely. Okay. This is not spec racing. These are all the major manufacturers that come with a specific mechanical lineup. I mean, you have the, the V8 turbo Ferraris, you have the six-cylinder turbo Porsches, you have the big thundering V8 Corvettes, and so on. And so to get all of these different drive lines and aerodynamic configurations competitive with one another to make for an entertaining show, they um, they legislate what's called a balance of performance using things like weight and air restrictors and turbo boost and fuel flow to uh, to try to make the cars as even as possible, which is, you know, frankly, probably an impossible task. But they do a pretty good job of it, I'd have to say. Um Yes, it's always a political hot potato because there's always somebody who thinks they're being screwed. But all in all, I think everybody would agree that they do a pretty good job of it.
1: Well, that's that's kind of where I was going with it. But so people don't have to also understand, don't underestimate the people that make these decisions because these are talented people. These are people from the racing industry that after ha- uh-huh. that actually have to look at all the technical aspects of the vehicle, aerodynamics, all that kind of stuff. Just like you mentioned, fuel. Right. And things like that. Uh So to try to take the in consideration, well, this is a six cylinder car. This is a V eight car. This is a turbocharged X Y Z. This is a hybrid. Uh So we have to make these cars. So they are. So the so the so the competition is racing, right? Right. Yeah. What happened to Ford? (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm a Ford guy, um, so you know I'm a big and and last year you know I was like really pulling. I mean I I thought last year was good because. It was exactly what, 40 years, 50 years later that they, you know, they pulled off a on one, two, three 50 years. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that was an amazing story and an unlikely one, but they pulled it off. And the BOP was a factor in all of that. Now, some folks out there will claim, well, you know, this team or that team sandbagged, they ran slow when they were supposed to be giving it everything they got so that the powers that be could, could per- set up a baseline for all of these different technologies. And it only really works in concept when everybody is totally transparent and you know lays it all out there so that the officials can look at it and say, okay, we're going to give this car a little bit more weight. We're going to give that one a little more power. We're going to give this one something else. So they, they try to come up with the right thing. Of course, you know what everybody wants to do is skew the numbers a little bit so they wind up with the most favorable BOP. Uh, And sometimes that happens. Now, this year, they've invented a a mathematical algorithm as if the technology of these cars wasn't complicated enough. They're going to use mathematics to try to balance the competitiveness, the performance of all of these different cars. And we'll see how it works. I mean, the griping has already begun. But keep in mind that the manufacturers all agree to these rules. You know, this isn't being imposed on them as much as it is all of these very very smart guys all sitting around a table and agreeing as engineers okay here's here's what we're willing to do and um, you know and the proof is is on the racetrack and I have to say that for the years I've been covering world endurance and the imso weather tech series here in the United States where they do something similar it's been um, they've done a, a pretty good job of making some very competitive and entertaining races now your favorite brand may not be doing as well as you want them to because you want them to wipe the floor with everybody else but the rules aren't going to allow that nobody is supposed to be able to wipe the floor with anybody else as for ford this year they had a bop adjustment Uh, i think it came between the test day and the 24-hour race itself and they had some uh, they lost a little bit of power and had some weight added and although they looked a lot more competitive during the practice sessions leading up to the 24 hours itself in the race they were they were just good not
1: great let me ask you another question now would some of these things that they do is does it can it because obviously racing has gotten very very expensive so could oh, yeah. some of these measures kind of maybe bring contain the cost a little bit of racing is that is that part of their objective too a little bit <laughs>
0: Well, they'll tell you that the officials will. But you know, it, as my old friend David Hobbs likes to say, changing anything in racing is going to cost a lot of money.
1: Okay. Because okay.
0: you've immediately you're going to try to optimize the new situation created by new rules, um, and you know, and that leads to more expense. People are going to spend as much money as they have, and sometimes more than that. And that's where the real difference between factory-supported racing and privateer racing gets a little bit sticky. And that's part of the reason why the World Endurance and the IMSA WeatherTech series have both all professional classes, which is usually the prototype and GT Pro divisions, and the the classes where a a well-resourced and talented amateur who is not a professional racing driver can also go out there and enjoy racing in the the prototype challenge class and the GTM classes, as they're known in IMSA, and the uh, LMP2 and GTEM classes at the uh, world endurance level. But yeah, it's expensive. Just about any way you go about doing it, cheap yeah. racing is kind of an
1: oxymoron. <laughs> do you think that um, there should be more classes? Do you like the setup the way it is now, or do you think there's too many?
0: No, I, I, I like the setup the way it is now, really. There's opportunity out there for everyone. Now, the problem kind of comes up when manufacturers are in it for one reason, and that's to win. If they're not going to win, they probably aren't going to be there very long, unless they're just really dyed-in-the-wool racers. Companies like Honda and, and the, the Corvette racing program under Doug Feehan and um, Porsche, uh you know these are these are companies that have raced it's a part of their dna if you will so it, it's going to take an awful lot to knock them out um but as a as a rule manufacturers are in racing as a marketing exercise as well as an opportunity to demonstrate technology and if they're not winning you know their technology their technology doesn't look all that great and and if, if it's not selling cars then they're not meeting their marketing goals so pretty soon. Uh, you know, the bosses sitting around the table are thinking, well, you know, why are we doing this? So, you know, you always run that risk, and that makes the job of the administrators of racing series a lot tougher. So having classes where different manufacturers can come out and race and and meet their goals, I think, is, is a pretty good situation. And that's kind of the way it's always been in sports cars, manufacturers racing against um, well-funded uh, enthusiasts, if you will, amateur racers. Um, as opposed to things like NASCAR or or IndyCar or Formula One or what have you, where it's all professional all the time, uh, this is an opportunity for uh, you know for the for the racer a little bit down the food chain a little bit uh, to go out there and enjoy himself or herself and race uh, you know with with real world class professionals and that's another part of the charm of sports car racing for me is that. Just about anybody can get out there with uh, with some skill and uh, and some funding and and put on a show.
1: Put on a show, exactly. Now, give me your thoughts on, uh, and I want to talk, I don't know, we got a little bit, t- well, yeah, we obviously have about 15 minutes left, but let's talk about uh, Formula E, and yeah. is that, I don't know much about it. For me, the jury's still out on electric motors. I get it. I understand it. But mm-hmm. go ahead and put your, your, uh, your, your spin
3: on it.
0: <laughs> well, I've been with Formula E since the beginning, first uh, hosting the Fox shows and now as the host of the World English Language Feed. Formula E is what I call a statement series. Uh, the the FAA put it out there as a platform for the development of electric technologies and emissions-free mobility. Can you make electric cars exciting? And I, I think they've done that. Um, you know, they are different. And change is hard for people. They don't make as much noise as internal combustion engine cars. But, you know, go up by an interstate highway during rush hour. If you're going to talk to somebody standing next to you, you're going to have to raise your voice. And they're only creating about 70 decibels. Formula E cars create about 80. So they're, they're noisier than street cars. They are not silent cars by any stretch of the imagination. They are reasonably quick, but they run on very tight temporary circuits deliberately so they can take this show into urban areas in the heart of big cities and demonstrate pollution-free technology because that's where it's needed most for the future of the automobile. Uh, And as you may have noticed, if you follow the automotive news, Volvo has said that within a couple of years, every car in their lineup is going to have some form of electric propulsion. And the new president of France has said within a couple of decades, the only cars you're going to be able to buy in France are going to be electric-powered cars. Porsche and Aston Martin have each introduced 600-horsepower, high-performing sports cars, hypercars, if you will, that are all electric. Uh, Ferrari has said, we need to get into Formula E. We need to be a part of this electric revolution because, one way or another, it's the future. The internal combustion engine is never going to go away entirely, at least not in my lifetime. But electric mobility is, is really the future. And there's no better way to develop these technologies than through motorsports, where the, 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 the development of technologies is just white-hot, and, and nobody can develop a technology quicker than a professional racing team because it has to be done by the final tomorrow. We can't wait for two years of committee meetings and engineering studies and focus groups and all that kind of stuff. In racing, it has to get done right now. And so that's the kind of, of pressure on the development of, the, uh, development of these technologies that the Formula E ser- uh, series was created for. And it's, a, it's just a lot of fun for me as a journalist to go to these places. The drivers are all world-class. We have world endurance champions, ex-Formula One guys, world touring car champions. Um, the driving talent is supreme. The cars are very cool. Right now they use two cars per driver per race. Within a couple of seasons, we'll have one car per driver per race, which will allow them to open up the series to more teams and more innovation. BMW has announced that they'll be a uh, full-on factory team with Andretti Autosport in two seasons. Um, Audi is going to be a factory team with the apt Schaeffler team next year. There are eight or nine manufacturers there now. Mercedes-Benz is sizing up. An entry into the series in a couple of seasons. I mentioned Ferrari. Uh, you know, everybody everybody's coming. I wouldn't be surprised to see Aston there in a short while. Maybe Volvo if they're going to devote their entire car lineup to electric mobility. So these are exciting times. Um, let and me, I'm just. I'm glad to be a part of it.
1: Let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. the Formula E is a separate racing. Let's just say um, series. Do you yep. think that Formula One, because you mentioned Ferrari, and as we uh-huh. see in IMSA and and in, in FIA in Europe, okay, and over here too, when they when the cars do come uh-huh. over here, so how we have the hybrids and the prototype LM1s and LM2s, do you think that uh-huh. that will eventually that that hybrid concept would actually trickle into bona fide F1 cars?
0: Well, I mean, F1 cars are hybrids right now. Will F1 cars ever be all electric? I doubt it. Um, I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Uh, You know, just because the electricity, or the electric car is the future, I don't think it's to the exclusion of everything else. As I said, I don't think the internal combustion engine is going away. I mean, these are all, you know, exercises. Formula One is a mechanical and technological arms race, so they will always find some kind of a nuance to to keep people intrigued. Uh, You know, what the future of IndyCar and NASCAR might be, uh, you know, I think they have to keep their ear to the ground as well, and they want to remain entertaining. They want the fans to come. They want to be successful. Whether that involves electrification in some way down the road, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't have a, that clear of a crystal ball. But uh, but for now, you know, electricity is what it is, and it's um, it makes for some great racing on the Formula E side. If you saw a doubleheader from Berlin a few weeks ago. I mean, that was two days of racing that really left nothing to the imagination. At the Tempelhof Airport, we had history, we had high speed, we had teammates banging wheels, we had spectacular performances by a rising star in Felix Rosenquist with the Mahindra team. He's a young Swede who's just a terrific young talent. Going up against the reigning Formula E champion, Sebastian Buemi, who was a world endurance champion just a couple of years ago. And is a Red Bull driver who has uh, had a cup of coffee in Formula One. These are just, you know, exciting times for fans who are willing to keep an open mind and have a look around. And in New York this weekend, where NASCAR, IndyCar, and Formula One were unable to get a foothold in the New York metropolitan area, the cultural and financial and media capital of the world, Formula E is going to race on a spectacular temporary circuit at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. And I hope fans will tune in on Fox. On Sunday at 1 p.m., they're going to have the second of two races live on the Big Fox Network. So check your local listings, and you'll see what Formula One looks like with the New York City skyline and the Statue of Liberty in the background. It's going to be a great weekend.
1: Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They uh, there's there's evidently there's a little shakeup going on in uh, Formula One with Mister Ecclestone. So oh yeah, where do you think okay. Nicky Lauder is going to take over F1? No. Fill a Um, seat? No, you don't uh, think so? The the
0: commercial rights that Bernie Ecclestone controlled for so many
1: years were sold to
0: the American company, Liberty Media, owned by or controlled by a gentleman named John Malone, Um, as in Discovery Television Networks, uh, as in um, Live Nation, Supercross. I mean, these, these guys have their fingers in lots of pies, a very proactive organization. And they're, to my mind, they're actually what Formula One really needs right now. They are very savvy about social media and, and putting out an entertainment product that appeals to a broad spectrum, not only the motorsports purist, but also the young millennials that every sponsor craves. So I think they're going to be a real breath of fresh air for Formula One, and, and we're already starting to see that. I think they have a great attitude regarding some of the classic events on the Formula 1 calendar. I mean right now Silverstone has said the contract that we did with Formula 1 under Bernie Ecclestone is unsustainable for us, so we're going to have to uh, use the escape clause in our contract and not hold the British Grand Prix, the one of the original oh, Formula 1 races dating back to 1950. But I don't think that Silverstone is going away because I think Live uh, Liberty is uh Liberty Mead is smart enough to go in there and redo some of these onerous contracts. You know the Everybody was all of a sudden nostalgic and emotional when Bernie Ecclestone uh, had his company bought out from under him. But you know what? You know Bernie is a billionaire, and Bernie was not always sweetness and light when it came to driving a bargain. Um, you know, a lot of what he did for Formula One, in addition to building it up into a worldwide spectacle, he did that at, at tremendous cost to a lot of of parties to contracts that deserved to do better that deserved a larger piece of the pie than Bernie was willing to let them have I think Liberty media is smart enough to to fatten up some of those slices of the economic pie of billions of dollars in Formula One and I think the sport will benefit from that
1: super well we're looking forward to it now you mentioned and I think we got a couple of minutes left you mentioned uh-huh. boat races tell us what boat race you covered that was where in the in <laughs> India? You said? Yeah,
0: in Mumbai, India, of all places, the first of its kind powerboat racing series, outboard powerboats, 300 horsepower boats, actually made in the United States. They're called Panther P1 powerboats. It was basically an exhibition, two days of racing on the bay in Mumbai. And uh, I was a part of an international broadcast team. They're trying to build it up into a Grand Prix style series both across india which is a country that's desperate to get its people more involved in water sports and waterborne recreation um but they'd like to turn this into a worldwide series you know with a common boat and um, 300 horse outboard it's spectacular to watch and in mumbai they tried a few new wrinkles including a closed circuit course you know normally in boat races they race from buoy to buoy, and there is no outer perimeter to the racetrack. Well, in Mumbai, they laid out a racetrack with with two boundaries, left and right, so that the boats had to had to use this this constricted course, and they had to find a racing line that they could live with amid all the wakes kicked up by these enormously powerful boats. It was really spectacular, a first of its kind event, and I was I was really happy to be a part of that as well. And and hopefully I'll be able to go back and do it again next year, because India is a fascinating country, and Mumbai is an amazing city.
1: Wow. Now, there was a gentleman by the name of Sanderson, I think, that was originally involved in the P1 series. Is he still involved? Does that name ring a bell to you?
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Okay. Because he was... Uh, um... No,
0: I, was, I, I worked with a guy named Martin Sanborn.
1: Oh, that's it. Martin that's Sanborn. That yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Martin Sanborn was our expert commentator on the weekend. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. He was actually here
3: Great
1: for the, the St. Pete... Uh, or the Clearwater Superboat Races, but I, that's where I met him uh-huh. the first time. But at the PRI show years ago, he had these boats, and he was pushing them, and he said, this series will go. This is probably six, seven years, I guess. And uh, so mm-hmm. that's 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 really great that that's actually taken off. So basically, it's spec racing, boat racing is what it is, right?
0: Pretty much spec racing, right. And, and cost-contained. I mean, you can buy a turnkey boat-motor combination and be ready to go racing for... Less than $100,000, you know, which is not nickels and dimes by any stretch of the imagination. But as a racing vehicle, it's it's really, you know, pretty cost-effective as anybody who's ever, you know, raced a car or raced just about anything will tell you. And these boats are very cool. Lots of carbon fiber and Kevlar and very carefully engineered. And uh, I have to say that nautical engineering is a, is a fascinating subject now that I've had a taste of it, uh, different in so many ways from you know, from land-based motorsports. Yeah, so I wish Martin and his crew the best. Martin, Martin's company builds these boats, and uh, he's got a lot invested in it, and a cool guy, and I wish him well.
1: Well, Bob, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for taking some time out, and uh, look forward to having you on again in the uh, future. We can talk more about some of the stuff you got going, maybe in the fall or something like that. And in the meantime, you take care. Hopefully i see you at some of the events. I want to thank my special guest, Bob Varsha, the... uh, Foremost motorsports commentator that I know of, and I'm uh, proud that he's been on my show. Bob, you take care. In the meantime, I want all my listeners, don't forget, check us out every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tant Talk Radio Network. Don't forget, to check out our website, callstreammotorsports.com. Visit Nostalgic nostalgicgrading cars if you want to listen to some of our past shows, right? They're all archived there. Don't forget to check out our website as far as the event page. We'll see you at some of the shows. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.
2: mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there will pay you $10 if you sing into his can.
0: Downtown Dave.
2: I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN,
0: Clearwater. FM 106.1.
2: WCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.